My name is Einat Wilf, and this is the We Should All Be Zionists podcast. Each week, I'll be reading one essay from my latest collection of essays book, We Should All Be Zionists, on issues facing the Jewish people and Israelis today, conflict, peace, religion, politics, past, present, and future. At the end, I'll be joined by columnist Blake Flayton for a discussion on the themes of the essay and how they apply to contemporary Israel and Jewish life. You can purchase your own copy of We Should All Be Zionists anywhere you get your books. Thanks for listening. Let's start. Biden just threw Israeli-Palestinian peace under the bus. Op-ed for Newsweek, April 2021. The Biden administration announced last week that it is resuming funding for UNRWA, the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees, allocating $150 million a year as a means to advance a negotiated two-state solution. Whatever the administration's true intentions are, advancing a two-state solution cannot seriously be the goal. The administration is consciously choosing to fund an agency that is institutionally committed to ensuring that peace will never be possible. UNRWA, under the cover of providing social services to Palestinians, is in effect giving political cover to the dream of undoing Israel by nurturing and legitimizing the demand to settle millions of Palestinians inside Israel within its pre-1967 lines in the name of return. Unless the administration is keen to extend the Palestinian conflict with Israel in the hope that one day Israel shall cease to exist as the sovereign state of the Jewish people, it is unclear why it has made such a disastrous policy choice. UNRWA is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, obstacle to peace between Israelis and Palestinians. In contrast with normal international standards, UNRWA has its own distinct definition for Palestinian refugees, which automatically includes all the descendants of the original refugees from the 1948 and 1967 wars. Today, the majority of UNRWA refugees worldwide are grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the original refugees. Moreover, the vast majority of them are also citizens of other countries or living within territories governed by Palestinians in Palestine, and so are not actually refugees and in no need of resettlement. UNRWA's definition inflates the number of those who should properly be considered refugees 20 to 100 times fold. Only a small share of those registered on UNRWA's roasters those who still live stateless and discriminated against in Syria and Lebanon are in need of resettlement. But rather than working to resettle them, UNRWA sustains many of them in perpetual limbo together with their millions of long-settled brethren in the elusive promise that they will one day be able to settle within Israel and claim Israel itself rather than the West Bank and Gaza as Palestine. The Trump administration had it right when it decided to defund UNRWA. 
And the Biden administration is making a huge mistake upending that decision. To understand the magnitude of this error, imagine if the U.S. took the position that the entire West Bank is disputed and then allocated funds towards building West Bank settlements and encouraging settlers to live there, while constantly reminding settlers that by legal right, the entire West Bank is theirs and only theirs. Imagine if the U.S. refrained from ever saying anything that might be construed as implying that the settlers do not have the full right to settle all across the West Bank, and that someday they might be expected to forgo territory so as not to anger or hurt their feelings. Finally, after all that, imagine if the U.S. expressed confidence that when the time comes to settle the territorial dispute with the Palestinians, the settlers would somehow accept and support the need for such compromise. This would be nonsensical to anyone supporting peace by means of two states. And yet this is exactly how UNRWA operates maintaining the fiction that one day the descendants of refugees will be able to return to Israel. Any U.S. intention to refund UNRWA without demanding deep structural changes is equally nonsensical to the hypothetical we laid out. There are perfectly rational, humane, and effective ways to provide public health care and education services to Palestinians without fueling the conflict with Israel, in other words, without UNRWA. For there to be peace, the war must end. This might sound banal, but it is the most important step on the path to making peace between Palestinians and Israel. As long as Palestinians are indulged by the West in their belief that the War of 1948 remains an open case and that they can do their failure in that war to prevent Israel's establishment as a sovereign state for the Jewish people by means of mass refugee return, there is zero possibility that peace will be achieved. Unless the war is clearly understood to have ended, that Israel is here to stay as the sovereign state of the Jewish people, and that millions of Palestinians are not refugees from that war and do not possess a right to continue the war through return, peace will remain elusive and the conflict will continue. At a time when the Abraham Accords finally mark acceptance by some Arabs of Israel's belonging and permanence in the region, the Biden administration is refinancing an agency that provides international legitimacy to the Palestinian view that Israel is a temporary and illegitimate creation. It is hard to imagine a more anti-peace U.S. policy choice. So, not that is obviously a piece that is rather critical of the Biden administration. And I remember when it came out, I actually remember where I was when I came out because I remember getting into an argument with a friend of mine about it. It was April of 2021. I was in D.C. Uh, and we obviously hold these criticisms of the Biden administration and of the Democratic Party really in general, or really every, pres- every administration before the Trump administration in regard to the relationship with UNRWA. But then war breaks out in Israel. And the night that Biden gave his speech, his infamous don't speech, which has become sort of a meme in Israel now, I saw cupcakes with the word don't on them uh, at a shop in Dizengoff earlier today. Uh, The people that I was watching the speech with, the Israelis were transfixed. 
And they were, you know, you could feel the energy in the room. The the support was just amazing. And the emotion that was behind it and, you know, his, his Golda quote that he always brings up really hit home. And most Israelis have a very high opinion of Biden, especially in, in this conflict. So how, my question is, how do we square the two facts we have that the Biden administration has Israel's back during this war, that they have been proactive in making sure that we have what we need and, you know, sending an aircraft carrier to the Eastern Mediterranean and all of that military symbolic gestures with the fact that structurally, institutionally, there are major, major problems with how the U.S., not just the Biden administration, but continued by the Biden administration, is prolonging conflict. So I struggle with it as well, because like many Israelis, I was, um, I felt more secure after his speech. And of course, the everything that the U.S. has been doing to deter uh, Hezbollah, Iran from uh, taking advantage of this moment to finally realize their goal of from the river to the sea and the destruction of Israel. So in that sense, of course, this has been incredibly important. But in terms of the policy choices that will allow us to move forward after the war, after this moment into peace, that uh, still uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Um, So as I wrote in the piece, the the continued support and blindness um, of this administration, of course, also past administration, but this administration is different because they actually already got as a legacy a defunded UNRWA. So other administrations, you could say, okay, it was just they continued. But this administration made the conscious choice to put the money back And I would argue to embolden UNRWA, to embolden the maximalist vision to give Palestinians the sense uh, after they were beginning to feel a little bit isolated, uh, the renewal of funding for UNRWA actually boosted the Palestinian sense that they are supported even by the Americans in their maximalist vision. And that is dangerous. That is. I mean, UNRWA is literally the organization that ensures that generation after generation, there is always a cohort of trained murderers who will want to massacre Israelis in the name of freeing Palestine. So this has to be confronted. And the failure of the Biden administration to do that two years ago, I think, was a disaster that emboldened Palestinian maximalism. And we're even seeing it now in phrases like Hamas doesn't represent the Palestinians. Now, I understand the Biden desire and administration to create that, but it's actually incredibly unhelpful because, first of all, unfortunately, Hamas does very accurately represent the most fundamental Palestinian ethos and identity of from the river to the sea. Hamas did what they did on October 7th, believing that it serves the noble goal of liberating Palestine. They didn't just do it, you know, on a a lark. They planned it for two years, knowing that this is something that their people wanted. 
and we saw the exhilaration of Palestinians in the streets. We see that to the present moment, the Palestinian Authority refuses to chart an alternative course. It actually condones and supports what Hamas did and certainly does not condemn it and certainly does not support any alternative vision that is not from the river to the sea. So if we continue to deal in cliches like Hamas doesn't represent the Palestinians, then we're actually setting ourselves up for continued failure after the war because then we think, okay, Hamas was defeated and the Palestinians are just a peace-loving people who as soon as given the opportunity, would want to live next to the Jewish state of Israel. No, we actually need to confront the ideology that gave rise to Hamas. So I'm looking at how the Biden administration is managing this war. And and it's something, it's a conundrum I've been dealing with ever since the refunding of UNRWA, because I've seen Biden make in the past declarations that were pretty clear and insightful where he said, uh, I think someone asked him in some conference, what about the occupation? And he said, enough, the day that Palestinians will recognize the Jewish people have the right to self-determination in the land or something and all that, the conflict would be over. And I was like, great, he gets it. He gets that this is the one thing that is required to get to peace. But then his administration is refunding UNRWA. Then they use this cliche of Hamas doesn't represent the Palestinians. And so I wish that we could actually have the full package. I mean, that we could both have their complete defense of Israel, but also to have the understanding that the long-term defense of Israel, the, the ability to prevent future October 7th massacres requires dealing with the heart of darkness, which is the Palestinian ideology of from the river to the sea, and UNRWA as the organization that essentially channels international legitimacy that fuels Palestinian maximalism. Absolutely. And I I really do think at the end of the day, it is just politics. The U.S. administration wants to be able to say, we're giving the Palestinians aid for hospitals and schools and uh, the resources that they need to thrive in places like the West Bank and Gaza. And they're doing that f- for the sake of inner politics in regards to, you know, who's working in the White House and 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 who's managing international relations and also in regard to the voter base. And, you know, it's been a discussion over the last uh, couple of weeks that, you know, every time the Biden administration condemns anti-Semitism, immediately they condemn Islamophobia as well. And people are coming to terms with, you know, it's just politics because, you know, Arab Americans, the Biden administration wants them to vote for him again, obviously. So bringing it to American Jews, because before we recorded this, we started talking about the 2024 presidential race. The average American Jew is both a Democrat and a Zionist. I come from a very strong uh Democrat family and also a very strong Zionist family. I think, you know, 75% of us vote for liberals and upwards of 90% of us believe in the state of Israel. And for a lot of them, they, they feel really emboldened in their ideology by the last couple of weeks because, look, this is our president. This is the guy that we voted for and look how strongly he's standing for Israel. But then you have someone like Nikki Haley, 
who defended Israel very impressively in the United Nations for a while. And let's say, hypothetically, that it's between those two in the general election. And Nikki Haley brings all this stuff about UNRWA up, you know, and says, you know, your administration says one thing, but on the corner of your mouth, you're giving millions of dollars to the organization that supports this ideology of Hamas, really. And what would you say to an American Jew who's all of a sudden thrown in limbo by that, who who feels like they have their heart torn because domestically they're very much a liberal? But look, Nikki Haley just made this really great point about how decades of policy have fueled further conflict. And maybe I have family in the Middle East. And, you know, maybe Nikki Haley then goes on to bring up Iran and how the Democrats have been too cushy with Iran. What would you say to that conflict? I would seriously appreciate that being the debate. That, that would be amazing. <laughs> Whether it will be or not yeah, is, yes. No, I mean, but if this were yeah. the debate, that would be amazing. Right. First of all, it would be great to have two clear, solidly and emotionally uh, pro-Israel candidates. I mean, both for President Biden, both for Nikki Haley. You can see that it comes from something very deep in their sense of who they are and what they care for. And I think it actually would be valuable to go into the nitty-gritty of the policies. And I think it would be great for American Jews who vote Democrat and want to vote Democrat to go back to the president and say, you know, we want to vote for you, but we also need to know that you're going to change those policies because ultimately Israelis pay a price. I would say Israelis and Palestinians, the entire region, pay the price for the continued fueling of the conflict. So, and this is not something that I think anyone has brought as a policy demand on a political level. Uh, When I asked around, why is the administration doing that? Most people described it as something that is, you know, it's a throwaway. It's a mid-level administrator on the Middle East and the Biden administration. The president doesn't care about it. Those are low-level discussions. So if those were to become high-level discussions, that would actually be excellent. And that would also finally be True, because those should be high-level discussions. It was completely wrong for these to be throwaway topics to a low-level State Department official. So what you're saying is that American Jews don't necessarily need to jump ship and abandon their political priors, but maybe there's a need to hold our candidates accountable um, and to further educate ourselves on these issues so that we can bring them to the public square in a, in a more visible way, I would say. Sure. I I would I would really agree with that actually, uh, and then my final question it's it's sort of short, uh, but it's complicated. Do you think that right now, or not even just right now, even when the dust settles from this war, or even in five ten years from now, Israelis are going to have a more positive outlook of the Trump administration or the Biden administration? Because especially in America, all we heard for a while, especially from anti-Israel Jews, was that, oh, Israelis love Trump. And that was sort of a bludgeon to beat Zionists over the head with because, you know, we were liberals and we were trying to straddle Zionism and liberalism. And then they would say, oh, well, you know, the Trump people love Israel and we're just going to lump you in with that. And we fought against it. And now we have the Biden administration really pulling for a lot of Israelis and the positive feelings here are very profound. So what legacy is going to be looked after with, with, with more positivity? 
It's tough to say. And also, I think a lot of it will depend on whether there's a second Trump administration and how that plays out. Uh, so if if there's nothing, if it's just well, one, one Trump uh, presidency and one uh, four years of Biden presidency, if you just compare them both, um, I will say that generally Biden has been more emotionally uh, connected to Israel and it really came from his sense of who he was and to the Jewish people. It's the entire package. But I think on his, uh, the, the policies, the infrastructure that was laid out was not good until this war. And then he stands with Israel. But then we need to also see after the war. Is there a real understanding that we can't just continue with things as they are, that we need to wage an ideological battle? You know, I'm reading now this book, Embracing Defeat, about what the Americans did in Japan. We know the Cold War. There seems to be, there There was a time when Americans knew what it means to wage an ideological battle, that you actually need to invest a lot of work in making sure that your ideas are the ideas that are successful. And I think in a post-Iraq Yeah, landscape, there's none of that, yeah. There's a lot of fear because exactly. that has a lot of neoconservative undertones. And, you know, we learned the lesson of, you know, trying exactly. to bring them our freedom and our democracy. Exactly. So, and yeah, and there's also a lot of questioning about whether the ideas of America are right. So, um, but we actually do need to wage an ideological battle here. And, and it remains to be seen if the Biden administration will show the same resolve as they're showing in the context of war and defending Israel, if they will show that same resolve in waging the ideological battle. With respect to President Trump, it's something that I always found difficult to say because, I mean, I'm well aware of the kind of president he was for America, but And the problem that I always had to say, look, in terms of his policies in the Middle East, if I can just cordon them out from the person he is and from America, in the Middle East, his policies were perfect. Because in the Middle East, his policies essentially conveyed to Palestinians and the Arab world the message of move on. The Golan Heights belong to Israel. Jerusalem is Israel's capital. Palestinians are now refugees. Those were actually important messages, which he did in his own bizarre way, but they were actually perceived as such. And I think the fact that the Abraham Accords happened under his, on his watch is not a coincidence because they helped accelerate this notion of, fine, we're moving on. And the support of the Biden administration for UNRWA and all that sent us back to the resentments, to the return, to the refugees. And we're only ever going to have peace if we move forward. And I do hope that there's someone in the Israeli uh, government, I mean, that's a whole other issue, but, but next someone week, next, next week, week we'll yeah, who's actually talking to the Americans in those terms. They're saying very clearly, look, we want to finally get to a vision of peace and a vision of peace requires an ideological uh, battle that needs to be won against the ideologies that have fueled Palestinian maximalism and this conflict for a century, really. 
So what you're saying is it's complicated. (laughs) And that time will tell, really. I mean, really what I'm getting from it is all of this is conditional. You know, yes, I certainly don't want there to be a second Trump administration. But if there is a Trump administration, then this question, I feel like, will be more clear. The answer to this question is who was better for Israel and also conditioned upon how the Biden administration reacts to the end of this war and waging that ideological battle as well. So I guess we'll find out. Yes. Thank you so much, Anat. Thank you, Blake. Thank you.